Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Anne Wilson Schaaf said, Trusting our intuition often saves us from disaster. This is episode 33 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Sunil Godsey. As a child, he would end up spending a lot of time by himself, as his parents were busy in their own lives. He began to contemplate some of life's big questions at the early age of five years old. This was when he had his first intuitive experience, relying on it to give him the confidence to make decisions on his own one of which would be going door-to-door to ask for donations from neighbors to purchase a video game system he wanted, an activity that in the end was not approved by his father. Then, at 13 years old, his parents would decide to divorce, and the effects that this had on him at first were devastating. He went from being a student with a 90% plus grade average to falling into the 60 percentile very quickly. The lack of care he had for school made counselors question him, but being as hurt as he was, he didn't have any answers. This was also a turning point in his life as he realized that he needed to now become the man of the house, which led to him getting five different jobs on top of going to high school. And if this wasn't already enough on his plate, he ended up joining the badminton club as well. He was aware that hard work and perseverance could pay off, but he didn't consider he might be doing it to suppress his pain. This would continue throughout his adult years, making him constantly strive for people's approval and ignoring his intuition in the process. He finally came to the conclusion that he needed to get back to following his intuition, something he naturally did as a child. That's when his life turned completely around, which led to success in his personal and professional life. After realizing that trusting intuition was the reason for his success, he spent a significant amount of time understanding how complex it was leveraging his knowledge to start his Intuitionology project, where he helps people make the right decisions in their life and business, increasing their productivity by using their intuition to guide the decisions they make. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Sunil Gods. Hey, Sunil, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. Um, you know, our, our meeting has been pretty interesting for me. Uh, you're one of the few people that's reached out to me after listening to the podcast just to tell me, you know, that they appreciate the message I'm trying to spread and um, has given me some feedback. So I appreciate you and, and appreciate you taking the time to come on here today. Not a problem at all. I'm really looking forward, forward to this. And, and I think what uh, a lot of people don't realize, and you kind of touch upon this in your podcast, is that people are listening and lives do get touched. Um, and so when you have that message, uh, sometimes we're always looking for that direct correlation where there's likes and shares and it's often not, you know, it's, it's listening to one of your guests have a point and then, you know, pondering about it. How does that relate to my life or the lives of the people in my life? Um, and how can I improve that to make it better? Which is essentially, uh, you know, what your podcast is kind of about is, is sharing those stories of being vulnerable and not only are they sharing, as you say, you also learn through the guests eyes as well, um, or their ears or their mouths or what have you. Um, in reflecting on your own life. And I think that's a very, very powerful message. No, I appreciate that. And it, you, I couldn't have put it into better words myself. I mean, I've said it, you know, in multiple episodes, my goal right now is to only impact one listener per episode. I'm not trying to, you know, my goal not right now is not to try and get a million listeners. I'm not, I'm being realistic. I mean, I've been at this for four months. So, and, you know, funny enough, some of the people that I've impacted the most are family. So um, for me, as long as I'm, like I said, that one person per episode, I, I'm, I'm a happy guy. So, um, but thank you for, for all those kind words. No so the problem. first, the first question I like to ask every guest is what is your definition of vulnerability? To me, vulnerability uh, is the ability to take a step back. And obviously I'm in the intuition space and what intuition actually really like allows you to do. And we'll touch upon this further is to really get down to what is your purpose in life? Not what is society's purpose? What is what other people's purposes for you, but what is your purpose in life? And when you are vulnerable, what you're able to do is to make that change, take that one step forward, to move in that direction, even though there's going to be headwinds, even though there's going to be self-doubt, even though there's going to be people that are naysayers, and then there's going to be fears, but you know that this is the way that you need to be. And that path is very vulnerable because the, the, the winds of change or 
uh, or um, compromise and criticism are huge because we're so bound to that um, as we move along in life uh, compared to when we're children. So being vulnerable is taking that first step and then the next step and then the next step in finding what is your true purpose and turning that into a vision where you can impact people. Ah, great definition. And I, I know I say this all the time on every episode and people are probably getting annoyed at this point, but I, I really do love the fact that everybody's definition is different because I think it's one of these subjects that, you know, because it's become sort of trendy, um, you know, in, in social media and with obviously Brene Brown coming out in the last few years, you know, I, you know, I was worried when I started this that, you know, people were going to think I was just trying to hop onto a trend and that, you know, everything was going to be the same on every episode and so on and so forth. But what I really appreciate is that every person has a different definition because it just shows me that, you know, we don't all look at this subject the same, which is awesome. So um, thank yeah, you for that definition. Yeah. No, no, and, and being vulnerable is also very personal in nature, you know, so how everybody's vulnerable is up to them. You know, we're going to, of course, you're using as a proxy through other people in how they've been vulnerable and, and move their lives forward. But in the end, you, you're the one making those steps. It's the same thing with intuition. You know, there's, a, there's, there's so many definitions of it out there. When I started my initial research, some comes from God, comes from the cosmos, some is experience, some is learning. Uh, you know, and, and my role uh, when it comes to teaching people how to better trust their intuition is not to change their definition. You already have it. Mm -hmm. But how are you going to leverage what you, that, that powerful tool that you have to take those first steps? No, oh, awesome. Uh, and I, I, I know we're going to definitely be talking about that more in, a, in about a week or so when I'm on your podcast, which is another great thing about podcasts. It's this whole thing of, you know, sharing and, and you know, sort of leveraging each other um, to, to help sort of grow our, our own platforms and our own podcast. So, um, so the next question I usually ask is, if you, if you can look back, you know, to your past, um, you know, however far back you want to go, when would you say is, was your first experience uh, of going through something vulnerable or having some sort of struggle in your life? So the struggle that I had very, very early on was uh, the earliest um, I, memory I have was when I was five years old. Uh, and when I was five, uh, you know, we had a lot of problems as a family. Um, and I think most South Asian families, uh, most families in general have their issues. Um, and, you know, my, my father was kind of out of the house working really, really hard. Um, and so we grew up in a household that, um, you know, where, where everybody was really, really busy. We had our problems and I was kind of left really alone to, to kind of search out what I wanted to do, play on my own and, and do things like that. And I distinctly remember asking a lot of different questions when I was five years old. How come we have to be like this? How come, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of friends like other people. How come this, how come that? Uh, and I found myself walking a lot and asking myself a lot of these kind of questions um, and trying to answer them. And, and so what are those, what are those answers? And I'm, I'm only five. So I'm trying to look at those answers through the lens of other people, through the lens of friends, through, um, you know, what's my journey going to be. Um, and that's also when from an intuitive perspective, we're also very open when we can ask those questions and we can experience those questions and experience life. And what happens is that that starts to get shut down as societal expectations come in, as your parents want you to be, in my case, doctor, lawyer, engineer, uh, you know, the South Asian firstborn son, you know, there you go. You can be anything you want, but as long as it's one of those three buckets, happy, happy that you fill one of those three buckets and we will love you forever. So it's, it's not, it's not really conditional love, but it's kind of taken as conditional love. Yeah. I know they love me uh, as, as a son anyways. Um, yeah, but there's that. And then you've got the friends and, and who are you surrounding yourself with? Um, and it was really about that time when you're kind of vulnerable and open that that's also when your intuition is also the most purest because there's no barriers. You're vulnerable. You're saying, let's get rid of the crap that's in front of me and keep an open window and door. What are the messages coming? And so when I was five years old, I remember my dad was very much about, you know, don't bother people and, and uh, you know, watch your money and all that stuff. And I, I remember there were some video games that just came out. And, and um, in my TEDx talk, I've got a picture of the video game set. And I think for those who are using video games now, they're going to look at that and saying, what, like, did that come from Mars or what? <laughs> right? Because it was these old, really old, old consoles that I think now serve as, uh, you know, you can stop cars with it behind you. <laughs> Big. So uh, I remember I wanted them and they were too expensive. And my dad said, you know, that's too expensive. And that's when I had that first, that, that voice that came to me and said, you know, that's not, that's, that's not what you wanted to hear. And what you need to do is actually 
raise some money and go door to door and do that. Now, if I wasn't vulnerable and open and listening to what my dad said, don't bother people and what society is, oh, maybe I'm going to bother people. What my friends were saying is you're crazy. Um, then I wouldn't have done anything. I would have just sat back and say, eh, that was interesting. I heard that voice, but I was so open and I guess vulnerable in that where I didn't have those hurdles in front of me that that's what I did. And I raised $200 and a hundred dollars went to my dad and a hundred dollars went to charity because the, the private school I was at was giving money to charity. And I said, that feels good. And so that's what I did. Now, being also of a South Asian descent, um, you know, that wasn't well received. Uh, and, um, you know, I couldn't sit for about a couple of days after that, but, <laughs> but it was all in good. <laughs> it was all in good, um, fun, I guess. But, you know, that's when I kind of realized when I, now when I look back that that was the first time when I was really vulnerable, open that, that my intuition was very clear at that point. And then as time moves on, those hurdles start to come and that's when you start ignoring your intuition for sure so what would you say would be the strength that you discovered in yourself through going through that because i can't imagine being five years old i mean i've been a talkative kid my entire life my mom said at two years old i used to walk around the mall asking people to come to my birthday party i mean so i've never been you know afraid to talk to people but at five years old i couldn't imagine even thinking about trying to raise money to try and reach this goal that i had so what new strength would you say you found in yourself from doing that that taught me a lot about independence and that independence became something really, really important, especially after my parents divorced. Um, and they divorced when I was uh, 13 years old. I remember that very distinctly. They've had their problems. So we, we conceptually, we can say that we knew it was coming. Um, we meaning there's, I have a brother and sister as well uh, and some friends. And so I think conceptually it was kind of, I guess, bound to happen yeah, from a textbook perspective. But when you're actually in the moment, it's, diff it's something you don't really it's, you have to experience that, right? And so in that moment that um, we kind of know they had their troubles and back and forth, and dad left and came back, and all that stuff. Uh, I remember the summer uh, uh, when I was in grade 10, that summer, um, uh, my mom just sat me down and said, uh, yeah, your dad and I are getting a divorce. And it was like, it was like the room just turned cold and white and I just didn't know where I was looking. And for me, it was like, okay, um, and that was it. And then that sense of independence couldn't have been better timed than at that moment, because at that exact moment, yes, there's the emotions that came in. Yes. The next year, like I went from being like your nerdy East Indian kid that was getting 98s and 99s to that next term getting 67s and 68s and actually being hauled into the, into the office um, to find out like what happened, you know, because that was a drastic change. And I remember that. I told the, uh, the resource officer at the time, I, and that, that meeting is still very clear in my head. And she's going, what's happening? And I remember the room. I remember where she's sitting. I say, my parents just got divorced. And I don't remember anything that she said after that, nothing. And I just walked out of that room. It was just like I was, in, I was numbed by that experience. But that, that independence taught me that, okay, after you went through a bit of a more, an emotional turmoil, because, you know, in the end, I'm human, um, what do I do next? And at that exact moment, it was about being, I don't know, some people call it being the man. Some people call it being responsible. You know, for me, I had a mission to take care of my family. And um, that's when in grade 11, I got five jobs um, on top of studying. My marks were still, uh, I was able to get them back to the 90s uh, and ended up getting a scholarship uh, at the end of grade 12. But I held five jobs. Uh, and so my day consisted of um, yeah, I actually wanted to play football and my mom said you couldn't play football in the evenings because it, it, it actually creeped into your study time. So you have to do something in the mornings. So I said, okay, well, next best thing, what's in the mornings? And they had badminton club. So I said, okay, I'm going to play badminton. So I would be waking up at, you know, 4.35 o'clock in the morning. I take the very, very first bus. This is in, in, in you know, Calgary, Canada. And, uh, yeah, and sometimes in, in the, in the winter, you know, it was fresh snow and there were like these two footprints were mine and the bus coming down and the bus is leaving fresh push for, for, uh, tire prints because it's the first bus coming in and I'm on this bus. And so I'm on this bus at five o'clock in the morning and because of the nature of transfers early in the morning, you know, that's when you had to go to get your, to your school downtown Calgary. Uh, and I was up in the North, uh, Northeast at the time. Uh, and so I made it for a 715, uh, badminton club. Um, 
uh, meeting, you know. And then I, after school, then that's when I would either, yeah, you know, be fixing the Coke machines or I was a lab assistant. I was a manager at a video store. Uh, I was doing surveys on uh, telephone surveys. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so, so I had a number of those kind of different jobs and doing security. Uh, and um, my day finished at about 10, 30, 11. Um, and that's when I take a bus home and, and then or in some cases do homework. Uh, and then I'd be up till 12 uh, and sometimes 1230. Uh, and then uh, I'd repeat that again. And then the weekends, of course, were working uh, at the video store, which was it was fun. The, I mean, the jobs were fun. But I never saw that as a struggle. I saw that as a sense of if it was just calm to be just natural. I, I there's no bad or there's no bad emotion attached to that. It was just sort of a, a sense of fulfillment. It was a sense of independence. Um, and so it meant not going to the dances and not being part of the clique um, or the, the group, uh, the, the cool crowd. I mean, if, if I was to be a member of the cool crowd, I know I would. <laughs> I had a, one of my best friends uh, to date came out of that experience. Um, and he's still a very, very good, excellent friend of mine as well. Um, and so that was my only friend. And that was those were my experiences and that sense of independence, um, I think, bode well for me for what I'm doing today. But it also, that sense of independence also fell. Um, and this is where I get into these intuitive hurdles when searching for a career uh, and wanting so much for my dad's approval um, that I forsake what I wanted to do to get his approval. That was to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Um, and I became the engineer um, because I, I yearned for his, his, his trust, his love. Uh, and that put me in a career for three years, which I didn't enjoy. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, uh, it was that experience that got me to get that sense of independence again, lose that relationship with my dad. Um, and I had to give that up because I need to find my purpose back again. No, I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> it's quite a bit to go through. I mean, at such a young age, you know, I, I won't even, won't even say that I can relate. Cause I mean, my first job, I think I was like 15, 16. I worked at a movie theater part-time. Um, you know, the next year I would say, uh, when I, when I got into the sales industry for the first time, when I was about 17 years old was when I started to, um, I guess, shift away from worrying so much about school and worrying more about the working world, which again, who knows if that was the right decision, you know, all those years ago, I can't, can't really say, but, um, yeah, I can't even relate to, to how much you would have had to go through and how much you had had to sort of push yourself to, because I mean, to wake up that early and catch a bus, uh, you know, again, something I can't relate to and, and, and just be so driven to, you know, do well in school, do well in the badminton club, have these jobs, keep holding them down. I mean, that's a lot for somebody at a young age, um, to go through. Um, but I mean, I can see how it would help you definitely gain the strength and everything that you're going to need for later on in your life and, and to make those decisions that you had to make that a lot of people might not be able to. I think a lot of people have dreams and think of, you know, things that they want to do with their life, but they never do it just because they are worried about the approval of others or what others might think or say or whatever. I mean, I'm, I've been struggling with that myself as of recently. Um, so, I mean, it, I don't think it necessarily even goes away. It's just a matter of whether you can take control again and sort of, you know, get yourself into the right mindset and, and push yourself forward to where you want to be. So I want to step back just a bit, just because I want to sort of get an idea. Like, did, was there anything that you can think of clearly that, you know, when you talked about your parents' divorce there and how it affected you, um, was there anything that you can think of that helped you overcome that situation uh, aside from just sort of, you know, drowning yourself in work and everything like that? Or was there something else that, that helped you just because I, you know, it just sounded like you, the way that the story went there was like that happened. And then you just went and got jobs and, and everything and, and did well in school. But was there anything like friendships or, or anything or relationships that you had or anything that you can think of that helped you sort of get through that? Yeah, there was a real, you know, there was a real shift in the type of motivation that drove me to do things. And I think this is a very, very important point, uh, especially when it comes to social media today. Um, and I went from, very, you know, having a, a good sense of what I call intrinsic motivation, where I did things because I wanted to do things versus extrinsic motivation, which is what you seek others to do and get your approval uh, and approval, I'm not just saying pat on the back, well, however you see it, but that dopamine hit in your brain because other people are liking your stuff or smiling at you or including you in their group. And what this taught me a lot is that I did a lot of things because I wanted to. It was my purpose. I felt good. 
uh, it was intrinsically motivated to me. And so when you're really kind of trusting your intuition, it is about that intrinsic motivation that drives you to do what you do very much like you or what you're doing with your podcast. You know, you don't know where the outcomes are, but this is intrinsically motivating you to be a better person and moving your purpose forward. And you talk about it all the time. And I feel that because in every single podcast, when you chime in after there's an experience, I get that intrinsic motivation because you relate that back to your life. And I think that's why your, your, your message and what you're trying to do is going to hit a lot of people. But for me, you know, it was that, and I can give you specific instances. So when I'm going to, you know, to a badminton tournament and I'm reaching and I played, um, uh, the singles weren't really good. It was mixed doubles. So I had a partner, uh, and she was really, really good in the front. Very, very good. And I was good in the back, um, in terms of, uh, smashes and, and, and all that stuff. So we had sort of a bit of a strategy and I remember going to some tournaments, um, and, uh, you know, everybody else had their, their parents there and friends cheering them on and I ended up being, uh, you know, we ended up getting to the finals a couple of times at some of the schools, uh, and, you know, of the four people that are playing, three of them had their friends and family there. And then there was me. Right. And so, you know, we ended up uh, either winning or losing, but it didn't matter. This is sort of the pinnacle. You're in the final, everybody, all the other teams are gone and you are the best left. Uh, And it was surreal that after whatever happened, you know, you see the cheers and it's, it's as if everybody's kind of going to this big group with all the other three. And then there's me kind of watching. um, And that's where the intrinsic motivation was because I wasn't sad. It was, I was happy for them, but I wasn't sad that nobody was there for me. And so for me, it was like, okay, let's whip out the bus schedule because what time am I going to get home? Because I got math homework to do or my teacher's going to kill me. Right. So but that's intrinsic motivation. And, and so that drove me. And so when people ask me whether I was sad, you know, I really wasn't, you know, it was part of, uh, the, the motivation to do what I want needed to do. That was intrinsic motivation. It was, it was, it was really, it was me that I needed to do that make me happy that at least I made, I went there and I can go home and I can, if I talk about it, you know, uh, like a good Eastern mom, Hey mom, you know, we got to the finals. Good, good, good. Okay. Uh, put chicken curry on your plate and hurry up. And you know, there's some roti left, you know, come on, finish that up, you know, and hurry up, you know, I got to do the dishes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, so. Constantly go, go, go. (laughs) Go, go, go. And it was about mom in the kitchen. Uh, But that was okay, right? It was really, really okay. Uh, And um, I I don't feel anything negative about it. But again, it's that intrinsic motivation that really drives what I do today, right? Uh, It's about me feeling good. And if I can impact other people, come on the train with me. No, and and I mean, again, I find like everything you're saying here, I find really interesting because I, I can't like... Not, and it's not just for me to relate, but I can't, even if for other listeners, I can't imagine, um, you know, how you would have been able to just continue to push through that, even though, like you're saying, your focus was to make sure that you were happy and that you were, whatever you were doing made you feel good. There's, that's still a lot to go through, like, you know, in terms of, you know, just like you said, the, your parents divorcing, having to, to work the way that you did to achieve the grades that you wanted to, you know, um, you know whatever play the sport whatever it was like I mean it's just sort of incredible to me that you had that at at such a young age I mean like I said I'm 33 years old and and I'm still trying to find that so I mean that just kudos to you for for just being able to recognize that at, at such a young age I mean one of the next questions I usually ask is if there was sort of an emotional toll that these experiences took on you but it seems like not not so much i mean i'm sure there was but maybe not as you know as much as it would have been by other people i guess or, or i don't know how to put it but yeah would you say that there was any sort of toll that this took on you if you reflect back you know now where you're at now in your life and everything if you would you say that the all these sort of experiences from you know a very young age all the way up to your adulthood would you say that there was any sort of toll that they took on you or would you say that it just sort of like you're saying helped you get to where you are now so one of the problems that we all go through is that when we kind of go through these experiences, um, there's always an emotion attached to that experience. This is really what keeps people back from reaching their potential. And, and when you have these emotional experiences, what happens from, from a neurological, neurological perspective is that emotions are imprinted uh, on that event. And, so, and that becomes a memory. And when, the way that intuition works, is it parks that memory. So it's like 
it's like a, a you've got this cookie this uh, this uh, cracker and then it's got the jam on top so let's say the jam's the emotion when the learning is really the cracker and so when you've got the, the jam and the crackers intuition puts that in the subconscious of the area of your brain like a library until it needs to reach out and grab it again so when you're thinking back to that that moment and you're learning from it because intuition is about past learning experience the problem is we want to get to the cracker but we all got all this this gooey jam on top that brings our emotions back to that what happens is when we have those emotions come back to us in the future meaning the present because we're looking back it stops us from reaching our potential because we're so uh, we're so consumed by that emotion uh, and especially people go through a lot of trauma and I'm not really trying to minimize that at all because those the people have been through really egregious stuff and and but what you need to do is keep scraping that jam off and when you scrape that jam off what happens you get to the, the underpinnings which is the cracker and then you have those learning lessons that intuition picks up on to move you forward and so that could be a bad event that you're getting into that you need to be warned about it could be a great thing that happened to you from a professional personal thing that has happening to you is which is happening to you today as an opportunity and you recognize that it's an opportunity so it could be positive or negative is what i'm trying to say so yes absolutely i had some emotions that were were there but i pushed on and i was able to actually get out of the emotion for whatever reason call it you know you know being intuitive at the time i didn't know that um but i just started i just knew i had to push ahead and there are times where I did reach dead ends. There are times I made some bad decisions. Uh, I had to take some U-turns. Um, that's part of life, right? And that's part of my learning and experience. So, you know, I'm not a superhero with a cape. I'm just a person trying to figure out what life is, given the circumstances I have. And I'm hoping that along the way, I've got these crumbs of intuition helping me with those decisions. But yes, you know, it, uh, I, I often reflect with a little less sadness, um, but for sure, you know, uh, there's a lot of times I extrapolate what if, right? You look at a family that's out there and they're, you know, it could be an Indian family. Their sons are doing this, their daughters are doing this. And you kind of reflect back, well, you know, if we extrapolated back, you know, that could happen uh, to us or the life could be different. Absolutely. I go back and do, and do that. But then what I do is I quickly bring myself back to what's happening today and look at the gifts that I have in terms of my family, in terms of the people I'm impacting in, in terms of surviving that. Right. And so I can look at it as I'm pretty sad and it, because we could have been, but look where I have been with the experiences that I've gotten and I'm richer as a person it, that has nothing to do with the bank. I'm richer as a person for what I went through and the lessons I can teach my kids um, is much more important uh, because when their eyes light up, uh, you know, I'm telling them something that they are appreciating and I'm hoping it shapes their values in talking of intuition and, and for both my, my daughters, I mean, intuition that they hear about it all the time. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of stories. I mean, with my 13 year old with her nonprofit business is all about intuition. And, and I've got a story with my uh, eight year old who, uh, was teaching Santa Claus a lesson with intuition. So <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sure. Okay. So I'll start with uh, my, my eight year old. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, I was doing, I'm doing this 10 tips in 10 days coming up. Um, and for those who, when, whenever you're listening, it's for me, it's this weekend coming up, uh, where I'm going to drop it. And the last, the 10th day is going to be, uh, putting all the tips that I have together. Um, and, uh, it, and, and so I'm putting my money where my mouth is, where it comes to my two kids. So, and I start with my, my eight year old. And so I just wanted to, um, talk about intuition, what they thought about it. Right. And so I started an interview with, with, uh, independently. Uh, and, uh, so my eight year old says, yeah, you know, dad, I remember my intuition uh, telling me that, uh, uh, you know, I was in line to, to see Santa Claus. And so, uh, I sat on his lap and he started asking me some questions and she starts pinching her nose. She goes, dad, his dad, his breath was stinky. <laughs> so, and then she points to her forehead. Says, my intuition is telling me, that he needs to eat a candy cane so his breath smells better. So I tell him, Santi, why don't you eat a candy cane? So he ate a candy cane and they started to be asking me more questions and his breath smelled really good. And so, <laughs> and then she goes, points to her forehead again, always trust your intuition. So, that was well, so funny. Uh, and then my 13 year old, she's always been an artist since she was four and she's always wanted to kind of help people. And so we were on a trip to India and she got inspired um, she goes, she saw these artists who didn't have any arms, but they were painting with their feet and their mouths. And she goes, dad, oh, oh my God, so inspiring. I want to do something to help them. And I said, well, you know me, right? I mean, it's, it's, what's your intuition telling you to do? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, okay. So when you figure that out, 
you let me know. And six months later, it was June. Uh, we were playing a board game at home and we were looking at this video um, of uh, a place in, in Oak, I think it was Oakland, California, that was doing opening up a shop for those with disabilities and illness so they can come and paint. And then she's just staring at the TV and then she just whips her head at me and said, Dad, I'm ready. And I said, what are you ready for? She says, my intuition is saying I'm ready. I said, okay, uh, what do you want to do? And she goes, I'm going to use my art. I'm going to sell my art. Uh, I want to get some prints done. Uh, and I think we're going to do a fundraiser. I'm going to do some pop-up events where they can come, come and, and paint. Uh, well, she initially wanted to have a place. And I said, well, you know how much a place costs, right? And she goes, yeah, a lot of money. And I said, okay, so you got to gradually work at it. So what is, what's the uh, smallest thing you can do? And she goes, well, what about one event? I said, okay. So that was the idea of the pop-up event. So fast forward to today. Um, that was back of June of this year. She is now $16,500 in. She's raised uh, in terms of uh, arts, uh, sales, donations, and grants. Uh, last $500 came from the gym, the gym to Living from Boston Pizza. Hmm. Um, uh, he donated online um, and she's actually now starting a podcast uh, yesterday was her first podcast interviewee uh, Sherry Carnicle down in um, Arizona and she was supposed to go to see uh, I'm actually off to Toronto today to uh, ask her some questions she's got a throat she couldn't uh, but there was a an artist uh, Deanna who uh, co-coded a song with Carl Wolf and I spoke with Deanna yesterday on the phone and she agreed to be an interviewee for Avni uh, my oldest daughter. So now she's got three or four, four, five people confirmed for her podcast series on how art's going to help people. And so she's doing it specifically for those with disabilities and illnesses. And so and we had our first pop-up event. Um, we had somebody, we had big brothers, big sisters, someone with Down syndrome, um, someone with Parkinson's disease and two people who were, who were in wheelchairs uh, who came and paint. And I remember the one with Parkinson's, he was saying, I haven't painted since high school. And I can, let me just show you how good this is. So this, 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 this guy's shaking because of Parkinson's and he says, look what I can do when I, when I paint and he starts to paint and his shaking stops. And he said, and my mind is open. And then he finishes painting this beautiful painting. And then uh, he starts talking to us uh, about how this is really helping his mind. And then he starts shaking a bit again. And then what we did afterwards is that Avni took, we took all the paintings and Avni wanted to put it on a shirt. So we took an image, a snapshot of it, put it on a shirt, and we hand-delivered all the shirts to the majority of them. Um, and so they weren't expecting that. So it's, again, that, that little touch that her intuition was saying that this is special. Thank you for coming. Uh, but that whole process was driven by intuition, um, and it continues to be driven by intuition, and she's getting a lot of traction from it. And that intrinsic motivation is something that she has. You know, we talk a lot, my wife and I talked to her about being humble, just affecting one person. You don't worry about the money. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. You just worry about impacting people because that's your purpose. And when, when you take care of the inputs, the outputs take care of themselves. That is something I consistently say to people and it's happening for her. No, I mean, I, I, it's, it's crazy how sort of full circle that comes from all the stories that you've been sharing in this episode mm -hmm. to now to your children. And like you had said, just literally before you started those stories, you said how if you can teach your kids anything, it's how to use your experiences to better their own lives. And again, that's, I couldn't think of a better example. I mean, you got two children who seem to, again, at an early age, being, being able to trust their intuition and move forward on things. And again, these are huge, I think, because there's, I, I can almost, well, I mean, I know from looking at the stats of my podcast that there's a lot of people in their, you know, mid to, or sorry, late twenties to probably early forties that are listening to this, that probably feel stuck. Just like I said, like myself and to know that, you know, that people who are eight and 13 can, can use this skill and trust it and help it, help, use it to help them move forward with these ideas and dreams that they have. I, I couldn't think of any other way to be more inspiring than that. I mean, like it's, it's, it's just a great lesson for us all to, to learn, uh, learn from. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, okay. um, you know, that's, uh, again, just incredible that they're doing those things at such a young age and especially your 13 year old. I mean, that's, um, you know, pretty, pretty impressive in about, you know, what, six, seven months or whatever it's been that she's been able to make that such a, a leap forward in, in what she's trying to do. And, and that's a great cause as well. So, um, so yeah, again, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No uh, so, 
so if you were to take everything that's that's happened throughout your life and and you know take all these stories and everything i think i already got the answer just from what you've shared already but we'll let you answer the question anyways how would you say all of it has helped you get to where you're at now with what you're doing so for me it's it's been able to do what i want to do uh at whatever age i want to do uh and uh, you know like i started intuitionology uh you know when i was you know three and a half years ago uh and i'm 52 now uh, you know, and so that was brand new with uh, learning, um, you know, having a couple of film crews, uh, learning how to edit coloration, um, run ads uh, on social media. I mean, all this stuff is self-taught. Uh, and so um, you can start at any age, but it's really about trusting that intuition to really drive the decisions that you want to make. And it is coming down to, as you talk about vulnerability, because there's moments where you have to be vulnerable enough to say, okay, uh, either in business or in your personal life, you know, this person's saying that, or the market is going here, or this is what my idea is for a venture, or this is my relationship here. Here's the, it's almost like working out. Here's the positives, here's the negatives, here's the influence, here's the, you know, it's like doing that with everything. And you have to be vulnerable enough to take yourself, take a step back and think, what is the best decision for me? And then having the, if you want to call it courage, grit, determination, I don't know what adjective you want to use because ultimately you act by taking that foot forward. Whatever helps you act in taking that foot forward, you describe it. I don't care what adjective you want to do. You take that first step and then you take the next step and then just part the curtains and let things happen. And if it's not the right direction, you'll find out pretty quickly <laughs> because your intuition will let you know there's some warning signals coming. So if you get a warning signal, because I talk about intuitive signals, then is that warning signal mean that this is a dead end or does that mean I need more information or I need to talk to someone with the right experience that has my interests uh, in hand? Uh, do I need to fish that information out before taking the next step? Um, is, that's how it's informed me to really kind of push forward. Uh, you know, and, and when it comes to my children, it's, it's one thing to talk about it, uh, but it's another thing for them to see because it's my actions that really determine um, how things happen and that sense of self-confidence in the decisions that you make and giving them that self-confidence and, um, you know, and, and just to correlate, you know, my, my daughter's, uh, my oldest, Abney was uh, able to step away from a bullying incident because she saw the writing on the wall ahead of time with some behaviors that of a friend of hers. Uh, she saw them early. So she made that decision early with my eight-year-old at the fundraising talk about self-confidence we had a raffle uh, that was going on and you know people are coming in and she's she's greeting people and and it's not hi hello and says oh uh, by the way my mom is there i'm on the table the raffle tickets are one for ten dollars three for twenty uh, just get out your wallet and go buy your raffle tickets um <laughs> and then she would walk away and then she turns around and says, oh by the way welcome to the fundraiser right so, <laughs> so if I can impact people, in my case, I've got two examples and, and I'm, I'm impacting others because I'm getting testimonials now and I have private conversations with some of them on how the courses have affected them or how uh, that interview with me affected them or how uh, a video they saw affected them. Um, so I know the impact is there, but again, I'm not worried about the extrinsic motivation. I just do what I want to do every single day and the rewards will come and they're coming. And I don't have a number. I don't need a number. If I can pick and choose, and in fact, one person per day, great. If I, one person per week, if, great. I impacted that one person. That's the value I have in my life today. No, and uh, you know, I agree with that because of what I said earlier, right? I mean, that's, uh, you know, my podcast only comes out once a week. So I, I would say it's probably only once a week, like, like you just said. So I couldn't agree with that more. And one thing that I think we might have, I don't want to say miss, but from the sounds of it, the other thing that I would pull away from what your past has taught you and helped you get to where you are now is that sense of independence that you talked about earlier. Because when I just heard you say, like, you know, in terms of editing and running ads and all this sort of stuff, you learned it all yourself. Again, these are things that, you know, we can outsource or that, you know, we could just say, oh, I don't need that or I don't know how to do it. So and just give up. And you continue, it seems to take that, that sense of independence that you learned when you were younger to say, okay, you know what, I, I can figure it out. I figured it out when, you know, I needed to get jobs, when I needed to get my marks up, when I needed to do all these other things. And it seems like that's just presented itself again uh, as you continue on your journey. 
Absolutely. And that sense of, and, but it's also important to know when to hand that off. Right. And so as I'm getting busier now, because I'm, I'm getting a lot more podcast requests, I'm, I'm getting a lot more people coming now through uh, the pipeline with my courses. Um, so there's over 50,000 courses now taken. So uh, there's also, you know, I've got my podcast series coming up and I've got my, um, uh, my 10 tips in 10 days, which is going to open up the floodgates, I presume. <laughs> um, and I just spoke with um, another fellow yesterday, um, uh, and he's opening, he's in the States and he wants to open things up um, for the, uh, uh, for a number of health areas, which he's really deeply connected to. Um, and so we're working and collaborating on something there. So that sense of independence is great, but there's also, my intuition is going to tell me, okay, now I, it's feeling a little uncomfortable doing things myself in terms of the editing. And, the, and so now I've got to hand that off to someone else that I trust um, or a company that I trust um, to outsource or somebody I trust to bring into my organization. Um, so that point is I'm really being very careful and paying attention to my intuitive signals to know when I need to let that off. Uh, sorry, when that let the need that handoff go, uh, so that I can work on the other things that add value somewhere else. Right, and that's it's again something that I hear a lot um, in other interviews and, and conversations that I have with friends and, and mentors and everything is that we have to be okay with asking for help and know when we need to do so. So, uh, you know, this, this has been full of, you know, sort of great little lessons and messages. Um, so what would you say that at this point in your life with everything that you've got going on, I know you said, you know, money is not a focus um, and it's more about impact and everything, but would you say that you found success and fulfillment in your life or that you're still on a journey towards that? Something I wrote in my high school yearbook and I believe today very strongly. Success is a journey. It's never a destination. Uh, and I believe that I drive a certain train um, that I'm on that is on a track of success that I want to be on. Uh, and there's going to be people that get on that train. Uh, and there's people who pull, I'm going to kick off that train. Um, you know, and, and in some cases, it's, it's just that raw because they, they drag me down. Um, but I'll continually to continually impact people because I don't see it as an end goal. I don't see it as an end state. I just see this as how many more can I affect? And, and I, I'll give you a really good um, story to this effect. When I started my intuitionology project uh, way back in 2016, one of my very first interviewees was a fellow by the name of John Rothschild. And he was uh, chairman and CEO of Care Foods at the time, Care Foods, Care Operations. And so he gave me an hour of his interview um, just because we were friends. He says, look, I don't get this intuition thing. I don't get woo-woo stuff. I don't see omens. And in fact, on the video, when we're t talking, you know, we're doing the interview, he says, I really wish I, I met that one person. I really wish you, so you can see the language at the very, very start was he was just not getting it because mm. he, he, he was an investment banker. So his decisions about basically life was all spreadsheets more or less. And so he created a life out of it, right? Uh, you know, he's making you know, six figures, seven figures, um, you know, high-end restaurants, private jets, uh, you know, everything based on spreadsheets and moving that forward. And so it, he didn't seem that like intuition was a thing. Uh, and that's in my view now, it's because he didn't understand what it was. So he's thinking it's this spiritual cosmic thing. He says, uh, no, that doesn't fit my life or my definition. So I don't believe in it. So let's move on with the interview. So as I'm educating him about intuition, actually using experience learning to help fuel the decisions today, he's getting it. He's getting it. And then you can see that he's weaving, like he starts with, I think it's intuition to, and then here was another intuitive decision. So his language is changing. His body <laughs> is changing. The way he talks about it is changing. At the very end of our interview, and I said, John, did you ever make a decision that was so obtuse, uh, that intuitive decision that people thought you were so crazy? What was that decision? He says, I have a great story for you. And he said that this is where he was an investment banker. You know, as I said, uh, high-end restaurants, private jets, limousines, making a couple million a year probably. Um, and he said he wanted to trade that all off because his intuition was saying to run this bankrupt restaurant. And people are going, what is wrong with you? Like you go from hero to zero. Like normally the story is the other way. Yeah, yeah. And, and even as he says on, on video, he says, even my wife thought I was crazy. Uh, but he said, no, I don't, I want, I want to be a coach. I want to run that bankrupt restaurant. And so he did, he quit, uh, went home and he walked into that bankrupt restaurant, almost bankrupt restaurant. That restaurant happened to be Eastside Mario's location number one. And that grew to over a thousand locations. Uh, and in 20 years before he retired, he grew it to about $2 billion under different brand names, all because of an intuitive decision. 
And in one hour, I went from him not un- really not knowing and thinking I was crazy to fully understanding intuition. Uh, and I said to myself, wow, if that is what I can do in one hour with somebody like him, how far can I go? Okay. That started the Intuition Knowledge Project. No, that's a, that's an impactful one there. I mean, like for him to, like, like you just said, for him to go from not even wanting to really talk about it, touch on it, hear about it, anything to getting to the point where it was the sort of the way the episode ended. That's, uh, that's incredible. Again, like one hour is not a lot of time and for you to get somebody who's sort of stuck in their ways to, to move out of them is pretty so impressive. I, so I guess, you know, the question is now to your listeners, if somebody like that can go from not, not, really acknowledging it to understanding it and embracing it an hour. Can you imagine where your life will be if you took an hour to do that yourself? No, I'm thinking about it already, believe me, <laughs> because like I said, I think that a lot of what's been uh, stopping me recently is maybe not listening to it enough and, and just trying thinking too much about, you know, the, uh, the things that don't matter as much in terms of like, what are other people going to think? Uh, is this going to, is this going to work? Is this going to take off? Is this, is this, do I have enough information here? Cause there's projects that I want to start where I'm just sort of unsure about them, but you're giving me a lot to think about. So, so I appreciate that. So we're down to the the last couple questions. Um, one of them is not so much a question, but yeah, the the basically the last thing I, I like to get from my guests for the listeners is if they were to listen back to this, there's a lot of tips and takeaways that they can use for their own life. But I want to give everybody three key takeaways at the end, three things that you've learned from your journey that they can then apply to their own life and and move forward with whatever they've got going on. So if you could give our listeners three key takeaways, that would be awesome. So the first takeaway would be to really take a step back and get into what I call an intuitive medium. So whether that's walking, showering, cycling, where do you go to relax when you get the distractions away, away from your phone, away from the likes, away from everybody bombarding you and to step into that zone and really think about, ask those questions that you want your intuition to answer. And you you may not get something right away. If it's a quick decision, you yes. If it's something that's heavy, you're going to need more times to think about it. That's the, first, uh, that's the first thing I want people to walk away with. The second thing I want people to do is strip away bad relationships. Once you figure out your intuitive signals, what they are that are unique to you, use those signals to tell you what people are really on board with me on my train and which people do I really need to move to the back of the train because I'm still figuring them out and which of those people I know need to get off the train because they're actually slowing my speed down. Use your intuition to filter those because when you're surrounded by a tribe of people, that are helping you move you forward, boy, oh boy, they start adding some, some speed to you. And the third thing I want people to take away is once you've got the relationships out of the way and once you figure out what your intuitive signals are and the direction that you need to do, take the first step and then the next and then the next. And then what happens is when you open up those doors of opportunity, embrace them because they're guided by intuition and your life is going to take a huge successful uh, path um, that you created, which you're meant to have. Oh, awesome. Those are powerful. And, uh, and again, this, this whole episode for me has been really powerful because it's just giving me something to think about. And it's different from any other one that I've had so far. You're the first person I've had on that's talked about intuition. And so I, I mean, like I said, there's tons that people can take away from this. I hope that they'll listen back and take notes and use those three takeaways that you just gave us to, to start impacting their own life. So the last thing is really just an opportunity for all my guests to sort of promote themselves, whatever they've got going on, coming up, whatever they want to talk about. Um, because again, you've taken the time to give me uh, the opportunity to interview you. So I want to give you some time to, to put yourself out there to my guests and my listeners or to my other guests and listeners. So yeah, go the floor is yours. Go ahead. Absolutely. And so yeah, one of the things that the natures of, uh, of intuition is the reason why people don't understand it is because it's very, very complex. It's made up of four different types. I've talked about intuitive signals that are unique to each and every single person. And so you have to take the time to educate yourself on how your intuition really kind of behaves. And that, that's when you can start listening to those subtle intuitive signals. Because if you mix, miss those subtle ones, as we talked earlier, you're going to start making a series of bad decisions. So if you go to intuitionology.com, um, I have a, uh, there's a free course that you can start taking to really discover your intuition. Uh, and there's obviously some paid courses after that. If you want to dive specific into areas of your life. Um, my podcast series is coming up. I'm dropping it this, uh, this next Saturday, as well as a t- t- uh, 10 tips in 10 days and then regular content there. 
Uh, I'm all on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, so a lot more contact there. So you can uh, DM me or uh, shoot me an email at sunil at sunilgutsy.com. Um, and that's the best ways to, ha- uh, to get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, we'll have all that in the show notes for sure. And um, I mean, you and I sort of got connected through Facebook and uh, through some DMs there. So he, he, I can definitely vouch for the fact that you answer and that um, you, you like to open up conversations that way. So uh, if you're not the type of person that, you know, maybe wants to reach out on a phone call or whatever, he's, he's definitely open to, to speaking on social. So um, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, this is, uh, you know, a, a new relationship that, you know, I didn't even know existed. Uh, you know, we met, like I said, very sort of out of the blue through social media, through you listening to my podcast. And, and then it's only been like a couple of weeks since that happened. And now we're here talking on this podcast and like I said, I'll be on yours shortly. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, it's had a, a major impact on me this, you know, we've been on for about an hour and, and you've given me a lot to think about. And, like I said, and, and like you said earlier, um, when we started, that's what it is for me. This podcast is, yes, it's to impact others and to help others, but it's helping me more than most people probably could imagine because I'm learning a ton. Each person's story is impacting me in a different way and yours definitely did that today. So thank you for taking the time to come on. Thank you for sharing your story and being as vulnerable as you were. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, uh, to building this uh, relationship more with you. Thank you, and thank you much so much for this opportunity to uh, to speak to your uh, to your listeners, and hoping I can impact just one person um, because that's where my value is. Awesome. Well, thank you again, and take care. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. And follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.